We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. I am Josh Nelson from Sox Machine. It is Friday, July 28, 2023. And all at once, Rick Hahn and the Chicago White Sox have decided to do their fire sale, or at least continue their fire sale of this 2023 roster. Uh, multiple trades have just came in for uh, the Chicago White Sox. Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly are heading out west. They are going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And we'll talk about that return for the Chicago White Sox as, uh, again, the adding an old friend, Joe Kelly, who pitched for many years, but he's known for doing the frowny face uh, to the Houston Astros, so he's no stranger to the Dodgers' bullpen. But uh, a new guy that will be joining the Los Angeles Dodgers as far as their starting rotation will be Lance Lynn joining the Dodgers rotation, which has been beat up due to injuries this season. Uh, so they're hoping, at least from a Dodgers perspective, that they are getting innings from Lance Lynn, even though uh, he has struggled for most of 2023. And then this just came in from Jeff Passan of ESPN uh, just minutes ago, nine minutes ago before I was set to start streaming. Uh, and I was all prepared to talk about Joe Kelly and uh, Lance Lynn going to Los Angeles. Uh, Jeff Passett of ESPN tweeting the Houston Astros and the Chicago White Sox are in agreement on a deal that will send right-handed reliever Kendall Graveman to the Houston Astros. And yeah, we're going to try to get as much as possible on uh, <laughs> who is coming back in that return. Uh, so please bear with me as uh, we, we try to get more information on what is going on between that trade of the Astros and the White Sox. Uh, according to Bob Nightingale, oh, wow, the White Sox are getting catcher Corey Lee in return for Kendall Graveman. And uh, I'll start there. So, again, first of all, welcome. A lot of people have joined. There's a ton of news that's going on for the Chicago White Sox. The fire sale is in force as two trades this afternoon and just from my perspective i was with dan bernstein and lawrence holmes today on 670 the score at 12:25. i didn't hear that anything was immediate but 
Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly in a trade. And I did have the Dodgers as one of the teams. We'll use this as informed speculation. Prior to Joe Kelly going on the injured list a couple weeks ago, there was serious interest from the Dodgers about reacquiring Joe Kelly to help out of the bullpen. There was some interest in Lucas Giolito. If Liam Hendricks was healthy uh, and the White Sox would be willing to trade Hendricks, which they're not at the moment, that is who the Dodgers would love to have. According to sources that tell me from Los Angeles, the Dodgers would love to have Liam Hendricks. But Hendricks is not available. He's hurt. The White Sox don't have any interest in trading Liam Hendricks at the moment. So there's Joe Kelly. We knew the Dodgers needed another starting pitcher. From what I understand, it was a surprise that the Angels got Lucas Giolito. And now teams are kind of scrambling at the moment to try to find a starting pitcher. That's why you're going to hear about Michael Lorenzen of the Detroit Tigers a lot in the upcoming days. And Lorenzen has been pitching well for Detroit this season as someone that could be going to a contending team. The Dodgers need innings. There's still uncertainty regarding Clayton Kershaw's uh, shoulder. And they're doing the best that they can as far as the Dodgers with all of their young pitchers right now that have been thrown into the starting rotation. Ready or not, the Dodgers need innings. So the biggest benefit for Lance Lynn joining the Dodgers is just being that durable veteran starter that can give them five, six innings, 100 pitches for Dave Roberts every fifth day. Is Lance Lynn going to be part of the Dodgers playoff rotation? Probably not. But again, the Dodgers really need innings right now as they try to hold off the Diamondbacks and the San Francisco Giants in the National League West. Uh, so again, for those that have just hopped in, we are streaming live. I'm Josh Nelson from Sox Machine. Again, two big trades for the Chicago White Sox this afternoon, about a little bit more than an hour ago, almost two hours ago. Again, Ken, uh, Joe Kelly and Lance Lynn have been traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's why I have graphics ready. And about 16 minutes ago, Jeff Passan of ESPN reporting that the Chicago White Sox have traded Kendall Graven to the Houston Astros. So interesting here that both Kelly and Graven are going back to previous teams that they have pitched in the postseason before. So for the Astros, the Dodgers uh, being familiar with Graven and Kelly uh, probably plays a pretty big factor. I do want to touch on the Corey Lee return because that is being reported by Bob Nightingale right now is that for the Graveman trade, Corey Lee was the starting catcher for the University of California and is was teammates with Andrew Vaughn. He was part of that same draft class. Andrew Vaughn obviously went third overall. Corey Lee was taken in the later part of the first round. So the White Sox are familiar with Corey Lee, especially from his college days, because while you're scouting Andrew Vaughn for the entire season, you're seeing a lot of Corey Lee. And Lee coming out of college was known to be one of these high exit velocity guys. This is when StatCast and TrackMan data was really new on the college level that Major League Baseball teams were getting their hands on. And the Astros at the time with that front office really focusing on using the advanced metrics to influence their draft decision-making. So here's now Corey Lee, another catcher the White Sox are adding to their farm system. It does bring up the philosophy, again, should the White Sox be acquiring the top prospects or the best prospects available, or should they be addressing needs here? And so far in the trades that the White Sox have made, they are addressing needs. 
as in return for Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, uh, <laughs> the, the White Sox are getting in return Nick Destrini, who is a right-handed pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers in their farm system. And we'll bring up that graphic now. Uh, Nestrini, 23 years old. He is the ninth prospect, according to MLB.com, in the Dodgers' top 30. This list was going to be updated. He has a four-pitch arsenal. He is a right-handed pitcher. He's 6'3". His velocity with the four-seamers, 93 to 96. There have been some outings for Nestrini that he has been able to hit 98 miles per hour. We'll get to that in a moment. The slider and curveball have been effective. The changeup is improving. And the Dodgers are doing everything that they could possibly do this season to develop Nestrini as a starting pitcher. Nestrini has made 19 starts this year at AA. Very impressive ERA for AA this year because they've been messing with the baseballs. He has a 4.03 ERA over 73 and two-thirds innings, so he's getting length in his starts at AA. He has 85 strikeouts at 37 walks. Currently, he strikes out more than 26% of the batters that he faces. His walk rate is a bit concerning. It's about 11%, but that is nothing new for the Chicago White Sox when developing pitchers because that is where Dylan Cease has been for most of his career as far as his development in the minor leagues. And, of course, with the Chicago White Sox, that is something that Cease is still trying to keep below is that 10% threshold. But if you are striking out batters at 26% of the time this year, Nasrini last year was striking out batters over 30% of the time. This is someone that's got strikeout stuff. So unlike Kai Bush, in which I think he needs a little bit more time in development in AA before we seriously consider Bush helping out the White Sox rotation in 2024, Nestrini, I have more confidence that this is someone that can help the White Sox early in 2024 in their starting rotation. So I think this is a good get for the Chicago White Sox. Again, pitching depth has been a problem for the White Sox. Uh, and looking at the other returns for the White Sox, uh, they got high A prospect Jordan Leisure. Uh, I, uh, no, sorry, double A reliever Jordan Leisure. Uh, I need to do more follow-up with Leisure and what he brings to the table for the White Sox. So they do get those two pitchers to add to their farm system. Uh, but I'm sorry, I'm going to laugh here for a moment. He's back, baby. That's right. Trace Thompson is back. <laughs> I have a soft spot for Trace Thompson, or as my friends from the 108 would say, I have a hard-on for Trace Thompson. If you don't remember, Thompson was this White Sox prospect back in 2015, had a cup of coffee, an impressive September, and we thought for a moment he could be someone of value to the White Sox. But in that offseason... He was part of this three-team trade between the Reds and the Dodgers in which the White Sox sent Trace Thompson to Los Angeles as the White Sox acquired Todd Frazier in that trade. And Thompson, it's been, to say it's been up and down would be an understatement uh, for his career. There's been times where it's been looking really ugly for Thompson and wondering why in the world is he in the major leagues? And then there's times where he, earlier this season, he had a three home run game. He's just weird. Uh, his career has been very up and down, not very consistent. 
for Trace Thompson. But it, it is funny to me, at least, in this season. <laughs> Trace Thompson is back with the Chicago White Sox. What does this mean for anyone in the outfield? No idea. I don't know how he fits in right now. Uh, maybe Grafal's latest comments regarding Oscar Colas. Uh, maybe Colas gets sent on. I don't think that would be a good idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop myself going down that route. I don't think uh, that is gonna be happening. I don't know how Thompson fits in at all. Maybe Trace Thompson is suddenly a pitcher uh, because again the White Sox they traded Lucas Giolito, they traded Ronaldo Lopez, they have again traded Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly to the Los Angeles Dodgers, and now they just traded Kendall Graveman. So that is five pitchers from your 13 man. Pitching rotation, uh, one starter, uh, two starters, and three relievers. And, you know, we've talked about for the White Sox, they don't have a lot of starting pitching depth. That's why there's not a whole lot of confidence in the White Sox going to 2024 because it's just, it's hard right now to figure out who's going to, who are going to be these three guys that help out Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech in the starting rotation. And you still have the issue at second base and you still have the issue at right field. So uh, uh, right now, so far in these trades in the White Sox fire sale, they have been focusing on pitching and they've been focusing on catchers uh, to help out uh, as far as their depth. But with these types of trades, uh, like I talked about in the previous Sox Machine Live when Ronaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito were traded to the Angels, it's also a time to say goodbye uh, to these guys that are leaving the Chicago White Sox and you know, for Lance Lynn, there's been a lot of discussion with his White Sox career. He started 70 games for the White Sox over three seasons, pitching 398 and a third innings. He had a 4.23 ERA with the White Sox. And according to baseball reference, Lynn was worth five wins above replacement. This season's really hurt his war total. Uh, last I checked, he was at uh, more than negative one. Uh, so prior to this season, he was above six, which is really good for two seasons. Uh, but when you look at it and add in how poorly he was doing for this season over three years, then that war total is not so impressive. In the 2021 season, though, when the White Sox acquired Lance Lynn for the Texas Rangers in exchange for Dane Dunning and uh, Avery Wims, who was a left-handed reliever, uh, Lynn was everything the White Sox asked for and really was what the White Sox needed the previous season in 2020. Lynn went 11 and six for the White Sox in 2021. He had a 2.69 ERA, a very impressive 163 ERA plus. And his highlights with the White Sox, he made the all-star team in 2021. And he finished third place in the American League Scion voting also in 2021. 2022, uh, he got hurt right before spring training ended and the regular season began with the knee injury. He missed all of April and May. And wasn't wasn't right for most of the 2022 season. He showed flashes, but ultimately finished with a 99 ERA plus. And I owe someone a steak dinner because of that. And this year, really not working well for Lance Lynn. It is getting better for Lynn. And I think the reason why the Dodgers acquired Lynn, because he's still showing durability. He's still getting five, six innings in his outings. He's still able to take the ball and give 100 pitches. But I'm curious on how the Dodgers are going to address the two big issues right now for Lance Lynn. One, pitching out of the stretch. 
has been problematic. If you look at his stats with runners on base, you can tell there's a pretty big difference when he's in the windup. And that might be the pitch clock playing a factor here as he's got to have a faster rhythm and he's an older dude uh, who took his time prior to the pitch clock. He doesn't have that luxury anymore. And second, lefties have just been crushing Lance Lynn in 2023. So those are the two areas that I'm curious on how the Dodgers are going to address for Lance Lynn. And if Lynn, again, could take the ball every fifth day and he can give that type of length and help save the bullpen every fifth day, that's going to be mission accomplished for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Like I mentioned at the very beginning, and there's a lot of people that have joined the live stream since we began. Welcome. I'm Josh Nelson from Sox Machine. Lots of news going on all at once. Uh, Lance Lynn being added to the Dodgers rotation, again, I think it gives them length. I think it helps save the bullpen. I'd be shocked if he started a playoff game. Shocked. But we'll see uh, where Clayton Kershaw is at coming back. And Kershaw is having kind of a turn-back-the-clock type of season for the Los Angeles Dodgers. If Kershaw is healthy and able to take the ball, I'm sure they go Kershaw, Arias, Gonsolin uh, as their three three starters for at least the first round at the Dodgers. Uh, cannot get a buy, but they're in a pretty good position right now that they should be able to get a first round buy, which helps them out set their rotation for five games. Joe Kelly, as long as he can stay healthy, the velocity has been good uh, when he was with the White Sox in his last couple appearances, able to hit 99, a hundred miles per hour. That is probably more important to the Dodgers that he's demonstrating that type of velocity than what the outlook or the outcome has been as far as the result. Joe Kelly, not good at all in his last outing with the White Sox against the Chicago Cubs. Threw more than 20 pitches, couldn't get an out. And that game went sideways real fast, and Kelly was a big part of that in the fifth inning when it went from a 7-2 game for the Chicago White Sox. And the the Cubs ended up taking the lead, and the Cubs ended up winning 10-7, mostly because of that meltdown. Uh, and thanks to Kelly not being able to get it out. So we'll see uh, what Kelly brings to the Dodgers. Uh, injuries have always been a problem. It's hard to do a career recap for Joe Kelly as he was barely around for the White Sox. It, it was a curious signing when the White Sox made it. And it was curious, and, and Jim Margulis mentioned it, that it kind of smelled like the Kelvin Herrera type of signing when the White Sox signed Joe Kelly. And sure enough, Kelly was truly not healthy when he signed with the White Sox. There was some, there was a problem in spring training. He wasn't available to May. He couldn't, he couldn't pitch on back-to-back days. So there's, there's very little good that happened when Joe Kelly was here. There was a time this season where Kelly got hot and he was really good for the White Sox for a month. And then he got hurt. That's kind of the Joe Kelly story of his career. When he gets rolling and he's showing you plus stuff and he's being dominant on the mound in relief and in mid to high leverage situations. And then he's finally, then he gets out on the injured list. Like that's just been the story of his career. It's a tough time keeping Joe Kelly healthy. Uh, so we'll see in how Kelly and Lynn do to the Dodgers. And I keep checking to see how many people are joining 
Uh, so we got Allie here. She posted a, a question. Any chat on Kendall Graven? So I'll bring this back up again. Again, this is from Jeff Passett of ESPN. This was tweeted out about nine minutes before I was set to go stream live. Uh, so I'll try to provide as much information as possible. Uh, the Houston Astros, the Chicago White Sox, again, are in agreement that sends reliever Kendall Graveman to the Houston Astros. The White Sox in exchange are getting Corey Lee, uh, who is a catcher for the Astros system. Again, he was... Uh, ex-college teammate of Andrew Vaughn. And this season, Corey Lee in AAA in the Pacific Coast League uh, has five home runs and 32 RBIs in 68 games. Lee is hitting 283 with a 328 on base percentage, looking 406. So like I mentioned, out of college, Lee was known to be this high exit velocity guy as far as average exit velocity, Hard hit contact, a bit of a surprise that he was taken late in the first round, but then that Astros front office, which has mostly been removed at this point, either people got other jobs or they were fired because of the cheating scandal. That was the philosophy for the Houston Astros then. I'd be interested to see on how it's going to change with Dana Brown now taking over the reins in Houston. Uh, but for, for Corey Lee, last year he was also in AAA where he had 238, 307, 483. So a, a bit of a change here. In 104 games in AAA last year, Corey Lee hit 25 home runs. This year in 68 games, he's only hit for five home runs. So it's like he's exchanging power for contact this season. Uh, and it's also his slugging has gone down. So I think we need to see a little bit more from Corey Lee. But when it does come to Lee and the fact that he's further along uh, than other White Sox catchers, as uh, we, we talk about the Kendall Graben to the Houston Astros trade, I don't know if the White Sox would be able to move Yasmani Grandal. And now if you, it seems like I'm distracted, I am looking on my phone to make sure that there haven't been any other trades. So I'm going to have to lean on you guys in the live stream here. Uh, so for the podcast listeners, you're getting a, a peek behind the curtain here. Need a live stream. <laughs> if you guys could help me out, uh, if any other trades happen here, as I'm, am I multitasking? I make the joke that I need to be like an octopus right now. I need to have like eight arms and like eight screens around me to keep track of how this fire sale, uh, is going on for the white Sox. But um, also news from uh, the White Sox as well from Jeff Passan. Uh, the White Sox are calling up reliever Declan Cronin. And he is a very interesting story because Cronin was taken to the 36th round. And you will not see another 36th round White Sox draft pick reach the majors because there's no 36 rounds anymore. It's just 20 rounds. And he signed for $5,000 to join the Chicago White Sox. And here he is. He is now in the majors. Cool story for Declan Cronin. Uh, he's a big chess player. And we'll see what he can do. But now he's in the majors. And he'll get a pension. And he's part of the Players Association. And he'll get all those benefits. So great for him to stick it out. And reach the majors, but yeah, he's gonna be the the last thirty sixth round pick to.
to reach the majors for the Chicago White Sox as they have reduced the draft to 20 rounds. So an interesting story there uh, for the White Sox. Um, and I'm checking here. I don't think anything else has been updated, at least from the trusted sources. No. Uh, the, the LA source check in. Okay. That was a joke. All right. <laughs> Los Angeles. They're, they're interested to see on how Kelly does. And they're curious on how Lance Lynn is going to help them out. The other thing too, is uh, I'm going to be bouncing back and forth in these topics, uh, for those on the live stream. I think Trace Thompson is part of this deal to help with some money, uh, that is being owed to Lynn and Kelly. And you may ask yourself, well, why, why do the Dodgers care about money? The Dodgers mostly punted this free agents past free agent market because of the uncertainty with the whole Trevor Bauer situation. If you recall, uh, in arbitration, the arbiter granted that Bauer was owed back salary. Uh, for his suspension with the Dodgers or the remaining part of his contract. So the, the Dodgers were still on the hook for that, even though Trevor Bauer is no longer with the organization and he is pitching in Japan. But what it has done by skipping this free agent market is that it allows the Dodgers to reset on the luxury tax. So they don't, they're trying their very hardest to be below the luxury tax penalties. Why? Well, when it resets and you're about to offer someone half a billion dollars in Shohei Otani, that's going to come in handy. Uh, so you're not too impacted by taxes and et cetera. Uh, so I think that's why Trace Thompson is with the White Sox. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Thompson's actually DFA'd uh, by the White Sox. Again, I, I'm, I'm curious on, on why he's here. Uh, got some great comments here from again our friend beeflo of thompson gonna go play dominoes with bartolo cologne and never report to the team maybe uh barry Cuda, yeah thompson has been on a rehab assignment um and making league minimum so well again we'll see as far as on on, on how he fits i it, it is it is odd i i, I do think i i i I don't know how Thompson fits, but I will say there is a part of me that I guess I wouldn't mind if, if Trace Thompson does make an appearance with the Chicago White Sox. I don't know. I've always had a soft spot for Trace Thompson. When he has been good, he looks good. I guess I just really wanted to him to succeed because then it would be kind of cool that, you know, Trace Thompson, good baseball player for the White Sox, while his brother Clay Thompson, obviously a great NBA player, uh, for the Golden State Warriors, but that never came to fruition. So now it brings up the question after these trades. Next to get traded by the Chicago White Sox. I don't think this fire sale is done yet, even though the White Sox have already unloaded Lucas Giolito and Renato Lopez to the Angels, trading Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly to the Dodgers, and now Kendall Graveman to the Houston Astros. They've already traded five players. And as far as the players that have expiring contracts, Yasmani Grandal is one of those players. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be tough to move Grandal. 
it'd be better if he could actually hit for power and has been hitting for power, but that really hasn't been the case lately. And he's owed a lot of money. So we'll see if a team is willing to take on that cash or how much cash the White Sox are willing to take uh, to unload Grandal to someone else. Uh, the other other players have been about like by John Morosi of MLB.com is he is interested in acquiring Aaron Bummer. I think that would be a good idea for the White Sox. This isn't a good matchup. Aaron Bummer to be at his most effective needs a strong infield behind him to take advantage of all the grounders that he produces. The White Sox don't have that type of infield. They just don't. So I think it'd be probably best for all parties. And if there's a team that's really interested because this market is short on left-handed relievers, uh, that if a team is interested, I think that makes a lot of sense for the White Sox to move Aaron Bummer. Keenan Middleton's cheap. I'm a bit surprised that he hasn't been dealt yet. Uh, he's owed just $800,000 this year, so it's just a little more than, I think, $350,000 remaining on his contract. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm surprised that Keenan Middleton hasn't been dealt, to be honest with you. Maybe the White Sox don't want to move Middleton and they want to hold on to him, but again, he's on an expiring deal. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The two big names that I'm going to be paying attention to are, again, Tim Anderson and Dylan Cease. With Jesse Rogers of ESPN reporting that the Miami Marlins have engaged in talks with the Chicago White Sox about Tim Anderson, the more I dive into that type of situation, the more I think I can make sense of it from a Miami perspective. Their shortstop right now is Joey Wendell. And yeah, I'd rather have Tim Anderson at shortstop than Joey Wendell. They do have some enticing middle infield prospects. Xavier Edwards is having a very good season for the Marlins. Uh, but it looks like the Marlins would like to have a veteran shortstop. And with Anderson, it gives the Miami Marlins two months as like a trial with Anderson if they were to acquire him. And if he does improve, and he has been hitting well since the All-Star break, and that continues in August and September, and let's say the Marlins make the postseason and Anderson has a good postseason. He did for the White Sox uh, back in 2021. Then it's just a $14.5 million option for one year. And that fits more into the spending habits for the Marlins. And if that works out, the Marlins in 2024 could have Luis Arise and Tim Anderson 1-2 in your lineup. Okay, I could understand where the Marlins are, are going with this thinking. And, uh, yeah, again, Tim Anderson's a better shortstop than uh, Joey Wendell. If the White Sox were to move Tim Anderson, it, it does backtrack the whole conversation about we're going to contend in 2024. First of all, I don't know anyone that buys that. For those that are watching the live stream, if you think the White Sox are going to be a contending team in 2024, uh, I would love to hear your guys' argument about that. Uh, because I just I can't see it. I, I can't see the White Sox being competitive, even though they acquired Nick Nestrini, who I think could help the White Sox rotation in 2024. You still got to find out two other spots. Maybe that is Tuki Tuasan. But uh, let's say N Nestrini, let's be positive here. 
and optimistic. Let's be optimistic. Let's say Nostrini can help the White Sox rotation in 2024. Are you buying a rotation of Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, Tuki Tuasan, and Nick Nostrini, and let's say Davis Martin or Sean Burke to fill out the, the fifth spot? That's a contending rotation? My perspective, that could be a lot of strikeout stuff. It could also be a lot of walk stuff. And that's a rotation that does not go deep into games at all. So you better have some bullpen depth because they are going to be used. They're going to be used a lot. So I, I just don't buy it. I, I don't buy the White Sox as being contenders in 2024. And because I don't buy that, that's why I'm in the boat now that you probably should you should move Tim Anderson. If you have a team that is seriously interested in Tim Anderson and let's say back to the Marlins, they offer someone like Xavier Edwards, who's raking in AAA. Then you can call up Edwards and he can help out in the middle infield. And you're going to be using 2024 as a reload season. Anyways, give these middle infielders a shot. Everyone a shot, you know, Romy Gonzalez, Lenin Sosa, Jose Rodriguez. Let's say the White Sox acquired Xavier Edwards or Tim Anderson. Give those guys all the playing time up the middle to figure out who is worth sticking around because you do have Colson Montgomery coming. And if Colson Montgomery can hit as well in Birmingham in double-A as he did with Winston-Salem, that drum beat's going to get louder and louder and louder for Montgomery to take over the starting reins at shortstop in 2025. Or maybe this year's first-round pick, Jacob Zalas, can be that fast riser through the White Sox farm system and be able to take one of those spots either at shortstop or at third base. It's tough. It's tough because I know Tim Anderson is a beloved White Sox player, and I know a lot of White Sox fans are hurting that Lucas Giolito is no longer with the organization. But somebody needs to be honest with themselves here, at least privately, within the Chicago White Sox organization, what 2024 is truly about. And if everyone in the room doesn't think that they're going to be contending, then yeah, I would, I would trade Tim Anderson, get something interesting in return and start preparing for that role to be taken over by these middle infield prospects that you have internally. Uh, or we're going to be having this conversation anyways in the off season, or you're going to have this conversation again next year. And the value for Tim Anderson probably won't be the same as it is now, even though, I know a lot of people think it's pretty low, but teams can easily sell themselves that Tim Anderson's getting back into form since the all-star break. So Tim Anderson, I think could be on the list to be traded. I may, I won't say it's like 50, 50 odds. I'll say 60%. He stays with the white Sox, 40%. He gets dealt. The one that I think has really low odds, but should have higher odds is Dylan cease. Again, as someone that doesn't think the White Sox are going to be good in 2024, Cease has two more seasons under control after this year. The White Sox have arbitration years for Cease in 2024 and in 2025. Dylan Cease is now a Scott Boris client. If you forgot that news or didn't hear about that news that happened last year, that Cease signed with Scott Boris. Clearly, Cease is getting prepared for his big payday that's coming up in a couple of years. Scott Boris, high-end pitching clients, typically do not sign with the Chicago White Sox, not at the level that Cease would be signing for 
when he hits into free agency. And I think with the market turning on its head because of the Los Angeles Angels playing so well and the Angels deciding to go from sellers to buyers and pulling Shohei Otani off of the trade market, if the White Sox were to put out Dylan Cease as someone realistically could be moved before Tuesday's deadline, I think all the teams that were preparing to make an offer to the Angels for Otani would reverse and start making those similar offers to the White Sox regarding Dylan. When you move Cease, maybe you can get two or three guys that, that could definitely help you in 2025. My perspective moving forward for the White Sox is that you need to start building a team around Luis Robert, who you have under control until 2027, and start building a team that can win with him as like your focal point. Yeah, you're unloading a, a lot of this core right now, and you're unloading on the additions to help with the core. Like Lynn was a someone on the outside of the core to help out the core. Kelly, Graveman. These guys were added on to help with the core, and it, it just didn't work out for the White Sox for many reasons. So I do think that they need to shift. I think they need to use 2024 as a reload year. A ton of money is coming off the books after the 2024 season for the White Sox. So while I don't think they could be competitive in 2024, I think there is a route where they can be competitive in 2025. But you need to put in that work now and I don't think you you need to stop working here. I, a, a Dylan Cease-led rotation is always attractive, but like I mentioned, like your 2024 rotation right now is Cease, Kopech, Tuki Tuasant, Nick Destrini, and I keep forgetting about him, Jesse Schultens. That rotation is finishing in fourth place in the American League Central, a weak American League Central. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Again, the deadline is next Tuesday. And I'll take this moment to quickly go through as far as the comment section uh, to see it, any questions that you guys have or uh, any comments. Uh, Kevin brought up Cease and Hendricks could always be trading the offseason. That is very true. This upcoming offseason, the starting pitching front, there are interesting guys in the top end. Uh, Blake Snell, Marcus Stroman, Giolito. Obviously, I'm sure Otani's in his own category, but there and you know Michael Lorenzen, who's been pitching well for the Detroit Tigers, he's going to be a free agent. Uh, so there, there are interesting starting pitching options in free agency that don't require giving up top prospects. So while there, you could move them in the off season. I could see teams saying they'd just rather spend the money and keep their top end prospects than acquiring Dylan Cease. Unless it's a team that never spends on the top end and they would rather give up top prospects. But I think it's it's more probable now to trade Cease than in the offseason just because the urgency for the teams that are in contention, especially teams that have not had a lot of postseason success. It's not it's usually not his style. But the Baltimore Orioles with this new Houston Astros type of thinking, I keep looking at them as someone that could definitely acquire uh, Dylan Cease as they have uh, nine top 100 prospects. Uh, we got Bum Luck Collector. If you're not competing in 2024, regardless, Cease should 100% go. Uh, good math here. 
uh, for Maddie, Yaz, 18 million, gone. Lynn, 18 million, gone. Graven and Kelly, 18 million, all off the book next year. Yes, that does help. What doesn't help for the White Sox before you start thinking they got $54 million to spend, uh, you have to consider all of the pay raises uh, that are also going to be happening for the White Sox core, such as Yoan Makata getting a $7 million raise for next year uh, for the White Sox and Luis Roberts getting a healthy raise. And there's also the arbitration numbers for Dylan Cease uh, and Michael Kopech and Andrew Vaughn is now in arbitration. So, I don't know if they're going to have that much money to spend, but the White Sox, Jerry Reinsdorf may say, well, your payroll next year is $150 million instead of the $180 million this year. And then, yeah, all of a sudden, there goes your $54 million that you just saved. Uh, so I, I can see where it can give White Sox fans some hope, but I, I, I don't want to lie to anyone uh, or blow smoke up anyone's butt uh, that, oh, the White Sox are going to spend that $54 million. I, I think we've all learned as White Sox fans over the years uh, that doesn't always translate into cash that the White Sox front office could spend. And there's the whole question of who is the White Sox front office going to this offseason? Uh, because there's many White Sox fans that would love to have a new front office to be able to spend that cash or reorganize that roster. And it's not very clear on what the White Sox future is going to be after this season on who are who will be making those decisions. It, it still might be Rick Conn and Kenny Williams spending Jerry Reinsdorf's cash in the offseason. So with that being said, I'm going to take a break here from this live stream. I really appreciate everybody hopping on to watch this special edition of Sox Machine Live. Again, big trades for the Chicago White Sox. Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly to the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they get Nick Nestrini back, who I think is a uh, interesting pitcher that's currently in double-A for the White Sox. It could be part of the equation for the 2024 uh, starting rotation. And, of course, we can't forget that Trace Thompson is back with the White Sox. And... Kendall Graveman going to the Houston Astros in exchange for catcher Corey Lee, who was a former first-round pick and former college teammate of Andrew Vaughn. As this will wrap up this Sox Machine Live, thank you guys so much for watching and participating. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. I'm sure there'll be more news over the weekend all the way to the trade deadline on Tuesday. You could also follow us on Instagram and threads by the same account. For those that watch the YouTube stream, welcome and thank you for doing so. Please subscribe to our channel at youtube.com slash Socks Machine. And every Socks Machine Live, the audio feed is uploaded into our podcast feed, which you can subscribe to the Socks Machine Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple Music. If you enjoy our work and want more, you can get more by becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Socks Machine where monthly plans start at $2, or you can save with an annual subscription, and our Patreon supporters get exclusive content, ad-free versions of both the podcast and website, and new Socks Machine swag, like our new shirts that you can get at the Socks Machine store, I Heart Wild Pitch Offense, that is now available. Again, you can sign up at patreon.com slash Socks Machine. Socks Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com